All right, everybody, we're here at Sex Ed Before Bed. It's episode number nine. Awesome. So this. Hello, Rebecca. Hello. <laughs> We're here at Times Square. Oh, and uh, Sophia, I have it. My, I have Sophia Fortin with me. Mm-hmm. And am I pronouncing that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> Sophia, you and I met. We've just confirmed two and a half years ago. Yep. Yeah. In San Francisco. In San Francisco. What a time. <laughs> it was a blast. What a time. Yeah. The sexual attitude restructuring. And uh, now there was one Mexican restaurant in between. There was. Yep. And then now you're visiting Toronto again. Mm-hmm. We're honored to have you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's always nice to see you. <laughs> um, yeah. So thank you so much for being on the show. Now, so I guess the first thing I wanted to ask you about is you manage something called the Happy Vagina Project. I do, I do. Can you give me a refresher? (laughs) Yeah. So the Happy Vagina Project started about five years ago, and it was born out of my own personal journey. Uh, struggling with orgasm and uh, the best way I like to describe it is that I was basically at war with my vagina for about a year in my 20s. Uh, We just couldn't figure out what was up and we weren't getting along very well. We were not having a good time. We were constantly at the doctor's office trying to figure out this or that ailment. Um, UTIs, yeast infections, like couldn't figure each other out. Um, and five years ago I went to this business conference and we were trying to explore our life's purpose. And the lady asked us, uh, what are why me moments are? So those moments in life where you're like, seriously universe, fuck, like what the hell this situation again? And all of mine had to do with like sex and relationships. And I've also basically been, uh, teaching people about sexuality or giving sex advice since before I was even having sex. Um, so <laughs> I was like, Oh, interesting. <laughs> but the happy vagina project in a nutshell is all about helping everybody, but women in particular, um, explore the link between what I like to think of as their sexuality and their inner awesome. So for me, I started to realize that my dissatisfaction in the bedroom was linked to my dissatisfaction in my career, which was linked to my dissatisfaction in life in general. And once I started to delve into my sexuality and my sexual expression and understand more about why I was having these troubles in my relationship with my vagina and my body, um, I was able to unlock awesomeness in all parts of my life, which was pretty cool. So one was the key to opening the other boxes. Yes. Yeah. So I always think of it as like a ripple effect. Um, yeah. My gosh. So, so okay. So it, this kind of realization that stemmed from your, your kind of sexuality and your relationship to your own body had these ripple effects to other parts of your life. Totally. Yeah. So how did that, how did you even realize that that was the, that, that this was an issue and this was something you had to take some action on? So I always used to describe myself and my orgasmic experience as uh, the legend of Sisyphus, which not everybody knows, but um, 
basically, I always felt like I was pushing this rock up a hill. So Sisyphus is like doomed to an eternity of pushing this big rock up a hill. And he always gets it to like almost the top of the hill. But then the, the, the rock falls back down on him. Okay. And so I always felt like, like my orgasms were like that. Like I could build them to this really cool place, but I could never roll the ball or the rock like over the top of the peak. It basically would just roll down over me and like crush me and nothing exciting would happen. Mm-hmm. And it meant I would struggle in my relationships because basically sex would be fun for about the first six months. Um, and it wasn't that things didn't feel good. It's just it didn't feel, feel like they went anywhere there was never this like release or this satisfaction and then I started to get resentful that like he was having orgasms and I wasn't Mm -hmm. um really struggled with like why that was the case like am I just too much in my own head is there something wrong with my body like all the things that we all struggle with and um I don't know I was living in Vancouver and I just was like you know I feel like I have this idea in my head that my orgasms could be like, you know, at a 10, like amazing. And they feel like a three. And then I was like, I feel like my potential for my career and the work I could do could be like a 10, but I feel like I'm at a five, mm-hmm. you know, and life in general is awesome. I have really great friends and stuff like that. But like, do I feel like I'm at a 10 in my life? Like, no. So then I was like, okay, well, the common denominator here is me. (laughs) So what's that all about? And am am I just like looking at the glass half empty? Is this just like a mindset thing? Um, So I just really started to read a lot about sexuality. And then, I mean, for me, a lot of it just has to do with like feminism and the fact that it's pretty hard to have amazing sexual experiences when as a woman, it feels pretty unsafe to walk around the world uh, in your body because people might look at it and violate you. They might touch you and violate you. And so if you're constantly afraid of being violated, your expression of like who you authentically are is pretty limited. Like you cage it, you hold it back. So you're not walking around being like the most authentic version of yourself because you're afraid you're going to get hurt because you have been hurt or because like there's hurt everywhere for us. Right. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, just learning that like most of us don't know everything we need to know about our anatomy. So it's pretty hard to like own your sexual experience if you don't know what's going on with your body. Yeah. And then three. Right. Yeah. And then there's so much like brain <laughs> shit going on that you're like watching yourself from the corner of the room having sex. You're not like in your body, mm-hmm. right? But then I started to realize that like everything that was holding me back in the bedroom was the same. So like an inability to be present in my body and in my pleasure. Um, it's pretty hard to have an orgasm if you're not like present in your body. It's pretty hard to have a great time out with your friends if you're worried about the exam you have to write the next day and you're not present with your friends. Um, so like that was a huge one. All the shoulds, like my orgasms should look like this. My life should look like this. Mm. My friendships, my work should look like this. Um, all those like core things were the same in the bedroom and out of the bedroom. And what I found was that they're so much more potent and powerful in the bedroom that if you can tackle them there, since it's such a scary, icky, taboo place, you can just like explode them in other parts of your life. And what I like to tell my clients all the time is like three birds, one stone. Like you only have to do the work in one place. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it, it helps you everywhere else. <laughs> you know, you don't have to like go to yoga, like, and you know, I have like five meditation program practices. Like if you just focus on improving your sex life and like tackling being more present and mindful and like whatever in your sex life, you will just by the very nature of what you're doing, eliminate those things from the rest of your life. Right. Which is awesome. And it's very much borne out for me. It's clearly, this is what you were made to do. <laughs> I can just imagine 12 year old. Sophia. <laughs> Yeah. So what I did it's was I, I'd read Cosmo magazine answers to the like FAQs or yeah. whatever. And then my girlfriends would like come sit with me and my Pontiacs on fire in the parking lot at FH Collins. <laughs> and they'd be like, well, we were like touching each other, but I was wearing underwear. Like, can I get pregnant? And I'd like thrip, flip through my mental archive of 17 mag answers. Yeah. Be like, no, or yes, or like maybe. <laughs> so, Yeah. So this is pretty, pretty fascinating because you, it wasn't so much the external environment that needed to change. When you talk about getting to a 10 and feeling you weren't at a 10 in these areas of your lives, it wasn't about making massive external environmental changes. No. It was, um, enjoying the moments you were already having. Yeah. You know? Can it hear us? Looks like it. Yeah. Sorry. Pause. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I tell my clients all the time that it's I'm gonna say like at least seventy-five percent mental. Um whether that means learning how to tolerate pleasure in your body. Yeah. Which is kind of a mental and physical thing. Whether it means learning how to change your idea of what an orgasm is um, or to change your idea of what really great sex is. I mean, one of my biggest problems is people learn how to have sex either from porn, which is extremely unrealistic in one way or movies. And in movies, everyone can wordlessly telecommunicate for sure. how to have the most amazing sexual experience ever. Yeah, there's no talking. And we don't see any of the reality of like I'm queefing or I'm getting a leg cramp yes, or I this started. yeah, or this position's mildly awkward. <laughs> um so like not only is there any depiction of like what sexy consent can look like, yeah. but also there's just like most sex is not like wordlessly passionate, um, you know, telecommunication with, with somebody like it can be awkward, but there's beauty and awesomeness in the yeah. awkward. If you know, that's what it's going to be like and you know how to roll with it. So we have totally messed up expectations for like what sex could look like. Yeah. Then we also hear all these rumors about like, how much sex should I be having? Exactly. And like, is my marriage okay if I'm having sex three times a week or like yeah. one day a week? People or... are looking for these moral codes or something on how to do it right. It's like, no, don't don't hold yourself to anything. No, yeah. it's what works for you, right? Mm-hmm. So it was so much that. And then the other piece really is like, we just store trauma in our vaginas. Like your vagina is made of muscles. Mm-hmm. It's not the same kind of muscles as your back, but it's made of muscles. And just like your back um, or your jaw or your belly, like if you are having a stressful week or a stressful time in life, you get knots, you get tightness, you get contortion that like affects your mobility. Um, same thing happens in your vaginal tissue. So then what happens is you try to have intercourse and you're experiencing pain 
itching because someone's poking on a knot that's mm. in there or it's numb so you're not feeling anything or it feels really um irritating so the best way to describe it is if you've ever been outside at minus 40 and you come back in um and you had bare hands yeah. your hands are completely numb when they come in yeah. and then they hurt they're like spiky pain and then they just feel weird um this kind of like irritated like left feeling mm -hmm. and then slowly you get like more movement and mobility back mm -hmm. so your vagina your genitals like guys too um totally and a trauma like a, your vagina could be holding on to uh, a bad gyno visit or a time you walked past some dude who just like looked at your boobs the wrong way to, you know, full blown sexualized assault and like anything in between. Right. It could be like that time your parents shamed you for masturbating when you were two. Um, so we're all holding on to a lot of gunk inside our bodies okay. that completely prevents us from experiencing our full sexual potential. Okay. So this, this is something that I talked about a little bit with Caitlin, um, who also does somatic, she does somatic sex work. Mm -hmm. um, somatic sex education, I should say. But this is really interesting, the way that the word trauma is used. So it's like, not necessarily that there was like, some foul play. It could be other experiences that you've had that cause stress in that area. Mm -hmm. So... I don't know if you can comment on this, but it's like, you know, we talk about people holding their stress in different ways, like in their hips and in their backs. Yeah. So is this just not part of the conversation because it's taboo? Because it sounds like this is just another area where people can hold tension. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, really, it's your whole body and whether it's emotional tension that you're holding on to. So, um, I mean, I think of trauma as just like any overload to your like nervous or energetic system, right? Or any shock to that system. And we all have different thresholds for that kind of shock, different things hit us in different ways. So somatically, when we're talking about that, we're talking about storing emotion in our tissue, in our muscles, and in our energy body. Mm -hmm. So somebody called you a C word or, you know, someone said something really mean to you or whatever mm -hmm. someone shamed you for a sexual interest that you have and you store that shame in your body and it could be in your vagina or your vulva or your penis or it could be anywhere else really um but yeah it's totally just another area that's the um we forget that it's a body part yes. we assign all of this like cultural taboo to it they're just, still just muscles yeah. <laughs> and organs <laughs> that perform biological functions and they need healing and love. And like, this is why I call it the happy vagina project is it's so much about what is your relationship like with your vagina? Like, do you look at her? Do you touch her? Do you give her love? Do you hate her? Do you resent her? Mm. Are you annoyed at her every month when you get your period? Like, mm. is that a, po is there positive energy flowing there or is there negative energy flowing there? <laughs> and for a lot of us, it's pretty negative. Yeah. Whether it's because we feel betrayed by her, whether it's because we feel like we've betrayed her. Mm. Um, or that we don't feel like it looks the right way. Totally. All the things. Yeah. All the things. So when you make peace with that relationship, your vagina is like your second heart. Like she can guide you through all kinds of awesome things, but you got to know how to listen to her. Holy crap. This is not a joke. No. This is not even close to a joke. I'm just trying to imagine what the process has been like. And um, like, 
did you ever actually get to, and if you don't feel like commenting on this, that's fine, but mm-hmm. did, did you ever, any of the work that you've done in the training, feel those knots and things? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I'm feeling them now. So yeah. like we talked about, you know, am I 100% healed from all the training that I've done? And do I have like amazing sexual experiences all the time? Like, no. Right. But I have a super keen awareness of what is blocking me up essentially. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like the first, um, Tantra training session that I did, I mean, when I went through my coaching, we basically learn how to do our own somatic healing. Mm. Uh, so we learn how to massage our bodies in a way that brings blood flow to the area and like releases the muscular tissues. And then you use wands or dildos or whatever mm-hmm. to like literally massage yourself internally. Wow. And then I taught my partner how to do that on me as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you're in there and when you're doing that work and when you're doing that work with that intention, right? So I'm not using this dildo to like get off and have an orgasm. I'm using this dildo to like, or this wand to put in my body and like put pressure on certain muscle groups and areas to see if I can't release any of that tension. Okay. And then on top of that in Tundra, we use energy work as well, right? When there's been a release, what does that feel like? Uh, it can take a lot of different forms. It usually looks like, um, for me anyways, a lot of emotion coming out. So I've definitely like burst into tears. Um, sometimes I get really angry and very frustrated. Uh, sometimes nothing really happens in the moment. And then two, three days later, you're finding yourself very sensitive because you've kind of shifted things. Um, but it absolutely literally feels like a knot in my back. I put pressure on it. I massage it out. I breathe. I do visualizations and energy work and you can feel it release. And then I've definitely had experiences where I've had one or two really great sessions and then I go to have intercourse with my partner afterwards and I am way more sensitive and way more awake and aware and like I'm just feeling a lot more. Um, And it waxes and wanes, right? Like you heal it and then other stuff happens. I just had my IUD taken out. My vagina is not happy right now. (laughs) She's like, thank God you got this thing out of us. Yeah. But we're a little sensitive right now. So right now, intercourse with my partner like it either hurts or like doesn't feel super great or I get kind of emotional after we do it because um his penis is acting like a wand that's like putting pressure on certain places so I'm always actually kind of happy when I'm emotional afterwards even if it means I'm grumpy but it means we're moving stuff around Mm -hmm. right so it's just giving me a way better awareness of um what sex can feel like when a lot of that gunk I think of is like cleared. Um, it's very, very cool. I mean, I had an experience once where I was like screaming no while I'm doing it, but like not, I'm not yelling at what's going on. There's just like these no's coming out of me. I bawled my eyes out and then afterwards I just felt so light and I was like, I just feel like I was like, absolving you know, I just felt like it was like every woman who had ever been <laughs> violated in oh. any way and I was like releasing all this energy <laughs> from the universe like it was the craziest thing oh my god but I just felt so light afterwards I was like oh cool mm. <laughs> it's crazy um so yeah there's a lot that people can do it sounds like you know your vagina or so in such a deeper way than 
I think most people can or have. And that's pretty, pretty special. And also I just think, how can we have missed this? Because you can get any other body part massaged. There's no other body part you can't get a massage for. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but, but anything to do with that area, all of a sudden becomes it's sex work. Ex- like, yeah, explicit, yeah. not, you know, it becomes like something that's explicit and underground, you know, totally. It's pretty fascinating. And I can understand, like, there's a lot of shadow there. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of room for manipulation. Like, yeah. um, sure. It can seem all innocent, but, um, Definitely, like, I think there's just a societal fear, like, and that's what leads to a lot of the weirdness around sex is we just have fear that people are going to take advantage of us or fear that people are going to take advantage of our kids or whatever, right? Yeah. And so that fear leads us to, like, closing it down and locking it down mm-hmm. instead of uh, finding ways to be, like, open about it and moving forward, yeah. right? I mean, parents are afraid their kids are gonna have sex if they learn about it so they don't teach them about it but actually the more a kid knows about sex the less likely they are to have it because they don't need to go go experiment to get information yeah right um so it's kind of the same thing so i understand the fear there and the shadow there um but having experienced it myself i can just say that it's like such a different intention right there's such a different thing and like what i love about i do is that i teach people to do it to themselves yeah so you don't um, need a partner so they don't need a partner they don't need to go see somebody no one else has to touch them they i show them on a, a model of a vulva what to do and then they go home and they do it and then they call me and ask me questions about the process and i let them know what they can do to shift it up um but they get to go home empowered to know their own vagina and fix it themselves basically diy (laughs) it's a diy home hardware for the body you come in we give you the tools we said you on your way all the paint everything (laughs) spruce her up thank you i'm gonna get spackle anybody need spackle The jeweled. Yeah. Oh, no, this is great. That's fantastic. Okay. I'm jealous. Ooh. I'm jealous. Yeah, I'll put it out there. Like, <laughs> um, like, what? This, so this, you, one of the things you've done is you take a certified authentic tantra coaching program. Yes. Does this, what you're talking about, relate to that? Yes. So all the tools that I learned around somatic healing um, are based in the authentic tantra program that I took. Let me ask the question that probably some people are definitely thinking. (laughs) Can you explain what tantra is like as though I'm like... Have never heard of it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a lot of misconceptions out there about tantra. So tantra literally means blending light and form with sound. That's what tantra means: <laughs> blending light and form with sound. So at its root, it has nothing to do with sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I am trained in a Tibetan lineage of Tantra. So there's lots of different lineages of Tantra. It's like yoga. There's like Neo-Tantra or like New Age Tantra. So I um, was taught a Tibetan lineage of Tantra that has been passed down through generations orally for 2,000 years plus. And... Um, it's based in Tibetan Buddhism, mm-hmm. and it's also based in this 17,000-year-old religion called 
bun. And the reason that I chose to do this program over taking something uh, more Western is that when I was doing a lot of my own reading and my own experimentation, I found that any of the tools that I tried that involved breath work, mindfulness, slowing down, and more of a holistic perspective of sexuality uh, were far more helpful to me than a lot of what I would call the more Western stuff, which either a tries to like pathologize and like tell you there's something like physically wrong with your body. So like as an example, a lot of women who experience vulvodynia or like pain during intercourse, Mm -hmm. they might go see a doctor and be told that they're crazy, that it's all in their head uh, or here's some medication to take or whatever. But a holistic perspective in sexuality is going to be like, what's the trauma behind the pain? And how do we heal it so that you don't have that pain? Because basically, if you're having pain during intercourse, your muscles are not relaxing. They're tensing. Right. And you're just creating this negative loop and this negative cycle. So one tries to treat the symptoms. The other tries to treat the source. Was what I found, right? And I also found a lot of Western sex advice is more like push button A to get result (laughs) B, right? The band-aid. Let's go. So, Or it's like specific positions and things like that, which is like all cool and all awesome. But I wanted a more like holistic perspective. Right. So I'm not really a religious person. Um, I didn't grow up in any kind of like, uh, yeah, religious background. Um, I'm somebody who's very like new to the woo as I call it. Um, maybe when I was 28, I moved to Vancouver and just started to come to learning more about yoga and like different spiritual practices. Um, so it was very kind of had opened my spirits to this and just like take the experimental route. But the other thing was I'm a very like headspace, like science, logical kind of person. Yeah. And that's exactly my (laughs) fucking problem in bed. Right. Is I don't don't know how to like turn off my brain and experience things with my body. Mm -hmm. And so this program and like learning things through a Tantra um, and more of a holistic modality is that it forces you to like, I mean, I'm learning like 2000 year old practices, which don't necessarily have any like science to back them up. I just have to do them and they'll either work for me or they won't. Like it's experiential learning. Yeah. You just have to do the work. Yes. Um, which was crazy. And I had a lot of resistance to it at yeah, first. Because right. Such a scientific person. Totally. Evidence yeah. from studies. totally. And now the more I see it, like the more science is coming out and saying like mindfulness absolutely helps your sex life and like all this stuff. But I definitely struggled because I had to learn how to just do the work and like feel the results. Right. So that's kind of why I went that route. And And basically in it, so uh, getting back to Tantra and what is Tantra, so blending light and form with sound, what that means is um, in this lineage, we believe that the energy body is superior to the physical body. So just like you have a muscular system and a skeletal system and a nervous system, you have an energy system. It's governed by the chakras. Lots of people are familiar with chakras. They're like wheels in the center of your body that are kind of like nodes from which all of those little energy spirals come out of. And there are five elements that are the basis of all things in the universe. So everything around us, we are made of the five elements. This floor is made of the five elements. (laughs) And the elements are fire, earth, space, air, and water. 
and they each have superpowers. Um, they all have different qualities. They all regulate different parts of the body. Mm-hmm. So they each sit in, in a different chakra. Mm-hmm. And they each have a color, a shape, and a sound. Mm-hmm. So if I sit here <laughs> and I imagine a red pyramid in my sacral chakra and I chant, Ram, I have just done Tantra. Oh, <laughs> it's that easy, folks. <laughs> I was just say when you said the fifth element, I was thinking of Mila Jovovich. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> She's awesome. So that is Tantra, plain and simple. Okay. And you can use it non-sexually. So you can do meditations on each of the elements to um, heal these five root emotions. So fire element, for example, heals the Attachment. Water element heals anger. Yeah. Um, and then they have superpowers that I like. To, I call them superpowers. So fire element um, is like magnetizing. So you become magnetic and you magnetically attract the things that you want. Oh uh, it governs your digestive fires and your sexual organs. Um, so meditating on these elements can bring about a bunch of different qualities in your life, which are super rad and awesome. And then we have these massage practices. So in the Tibetan lineage, the Tantra really comes from this idea that to experience an orgasm is to experience enlightenment. Mm. It's the same feeling. Yes. And so they were like, oh, cool. How can we like expand this experience of enlightenment to make it like as long lasting as possible? (laughs) So they developed um, massage techniques and other techniques that blend with the energy work to basically expand that enlightenment. Okay. Okay. So then step, you know, step one for the beginners is, (laughs) you know, um, I guess chanting, like Mm -hmm. you were demonstrating. Meditating, basically. Meditating. And then step two and beyond is blending the energy work with um the orgasmic work yeah so it's using sexual energy which is the most powerful energy on the planet with these other energies to heal your body but also ultimately get to a spiritual sexual experience okay so that's where you hear about um in tantra like people becoming multi-orgasmic women and men so being able to like be in a state of enlightenment or orgasmic enlightenment for extended periods of time Mm -hmm. which is more about learning how to like manage and open yourself to pleasure in your body and it's also about using that energy to like heal all kinds of ills in your body and as well with partners to create a true sense of like total union and connection right so tantra begins and ends in the heart (laughs) and when we do things like tantric union breathing where we're breathing together with our partner people expect to like put their junk together and then their heart and their minds and then to like have this amazing, you know, mind, body, spirit experience. But actually you need to like join the heart, then the mind, then the genitals, then, right? So it's kind of like, I find a lot of people feel like there could be more to sex. Yeah. And on one level, many of us are not experiencing like the most pleasure we could just because we're experiencing pain or like one of the biggest things I learned from the Yoni massage techniques is that most of what I experienced as like regular, normal feeling sex to me was very like painful, numbed out, irritated sex. Right. So I was like, Oh, this is like normal sex for me. It's what I consider to be like a good sexual experience. And actually 
it's me just bumping into a ton of blocks, right? Um, so there's having a better sexual experience from like knowing your body and feeling more comfortable and more relaxed with your partner. Right. And then there's like up leveling that even more right. to like being able to have like total out of body, like amazing spiritual experiences. Um, and to really, I mean, with Tantra, it's all about the fact that we were born these pure and beautiful souls that there was no gunk, right? So like you're, you're this pure little soul and your expression of that soul is totally pure, totally authentic. And then as you grow up, you have different experiences. You grow up in a different house and a different religion and a different culture and a different society that builds up all this gunk that gets in the way from you expressing who you authentically right. are. And it sounds like on top of that, it creates an erosion of what the pleasure we're able to experience, but we're also fooled into thinking this is the best we can do. Totally. This is the best I can get. Like this. Well, and so then we're not even like, for me, it's about using sex as a pathway to be who you're meant to be. Like to just walk around in your day, feeling fully yourself, fully comfortable with who you are and like loving it. And also living a life where you're connected to, and this is why mindfulness is such a huge piece, right? Like just being able to take absolute joy out of eating the most delicious strawberry in the world, right? Or like just feeling the spirituality of like lying on the grass in the park with your partner. Mm. Like so much of it is about amplifying the smallest pleasures that we have to experience the bigger ones. Right. So a lot of what I teach people is for sure. It's like anatomy, you know, what different orgasms can you have, etc., And like, you know, healing work and then this energy work. But a lot of it's also like, what's your relationship to pleasure in your life? Just like all forms of pleasure. Um, how do you advocate for your pleasure? Like right now, are you 100% comfortable? Are you too hot? Are you too cold? It's a little warm. You know, am I talking too loud? Are you a little <laughs> irritated? You know, on a scale of one to 10, how in your pleasure are you right now? Mm. And if you're not in your 10 out of 10, I'm like a seven, right? Is there anything we could do right now to get you um, to an eight. <laughs> yes, I love that. Advocating for your own pleasure. Yeah. But how do you do that? Imagine asking yourself that question. Totally. People are not asking themselves No. Questions. And then what happens when you do ask is your little brain gremlins go, you don't deserve to be 100% You don't deserve right them. Now. Yeah, yeah. Who are you to have everything you want? Like, life is pain, you know, or whatever. This is like all this BS. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then we don't even give ourselves permission. Right. Never mind learn how to ask another person to give us something that would yeah. please us. Like, for sure. And for right. me, it's, you, it's, when I was younger, it's more like, how am I giving them the best pleasure? Totally. Their pleasure matters so much more than mine because mm -hmm. I need to be desirable and, like, perform that in some way. Totally. I have to earn... I have to like earn this and I don't know. It's ridiculous. You know what I'm talking about. All the girl stuff. Yep. Oh, all <laughs> the girl. Thanks, Cosmo or whoever. <laughs> Just the whole, it's a whole systematic, it's a systemic thing. Totally. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely a gender element to it. Wow. Oh, huge. Yeah. Do you, um, have you listened to the podcast called The Heart? No. Tell me about it's it. It's so good. <laughs> I have such a girl crush on her. Oh my God. Um, she did a mini series recently called No. There's four episodes. Mm -hmm. And it's all, she kind of goes back to some of her journals from high school, uh, kind of up to the modern day. And it's all exploring consent. But 
Ugh, just like one of the most amazingly nuanced explorations because she starts sort of reading her journals and like going from the first experiences of being groped and like do I like this and do they like this and I don't know to desiring guys and wanting to be desired uh learning that you need to set boundaries then learning that even if you set boundaries people will ignore them uh, so, like, learning how to say no, and then learning that you have to say no, like, a lot, and then learning, like, even if you say no a lot, people may still violate um, the boundaries that you've set. And um, she, yeah, she talks about a situation with a good friend of hers that kind of got out of hand, and she talks about confronting him about it, and, like, one of her basic takeaways is, like, women are taught to please and men are taught that they deserve. Mm -hmm. And no matter how good the guy is, and this is the hard part and the part in all the sexual health, like, awareness and, like, anti-violence stuff that I do is that, you know, men who are or people who are out there who have an intent to like rape and violate other people like we're not going to change their minds with any kind of sexual health campaign right? right but it's all those quote unquote good guys who really are good guys mm-hmm. who've grown up in what I like to think of now as like this goo of the patriarchy that's just around us all the time but yeah. we can't really see it we're swimming in right and so it's like they have these glasses on and they have through the way we've taught them, like no ability to see that in this particular situation, they have gone in with an attitude of um, expecting to be pleased because that's what they've been taught. And she's gone in with an expectation of like needing to please him and that that can lead to situations that are like not great for either party. Right. Or that are sexualized assault but they don't have those glasses on and so they just don't see it right and like that's the worst part of it um anyways it's hot amazing i highly recommend i wish every teenage boy on the planet uh could listen to it well i want to listen to it um it's so good one thing i was i was thinking about as you were speaking is i think about these notions of gender and everything um but also i think that in the past 10 years Things have changed so rapidly. Mm-hmm. Technology has changed so much. And even if things were changing fast before, it's accelerated now in terms totally. of the media and the way we consume information. But I think, in some ways, like when you go to search for something, yeah. it's very self-guided. You're trying to get to a certain place that you need to go. Yeah. But information that you don't want, like that's not usually the intent of a search. So I'm just thinking like... If I'm a young boy, I don't even know what I'm listening. I'm looking for. I'm not gonna mm. like. Am I, how am I gonna? I'm not, am I gonna seek that information out? Yeah. I don't know if I'd have the emotional maturity to know that. I don't even know what I'm missing. Like, what's missing versus what I have. Totally. So I'm just thinking like, how how to get that out mm-hmm. <laughs> to to young to young men. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if I felt I could play it in schools, I would totally just bring it to classrooms yeah. and play it. Um, I don't know if some of it would be deemed too mature. Like, you might be able to get away with playing it for a grade 12 audience. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, if I was teaching at universities or on university campuses, like, I would throw listening parties or something yeah. for that show. Because, um, yeah, yeah it's, great it's just, party. like, yeah. super cool. Well... 
Sophia, so what are you working on? What are you doing these days? Well, so through the Happy Vagina Project, I basically do one-on-one coaching. Mm -hmm. And I tend to work mostly with, and I'm going to be launching some more materials related to um, moms. And I think the reason that I work a lot with mums is there's something really interesting that happens at that sort of intersection of parenthood and sexuality. So there's a lot that changes in one's sex life when you're trying to have a child, whether you be, um, whether you're a gay couple, lesbian couple, straight couple, um, depending on how you're trying to make a family, there can be a lot that changes. Um, obviously there's a lot that changes when one person is pregnant Mm -hmm. and there's a lot that changes afterwards. And I tend to work a lot with it because you have women who either are really struggling to get back to sex after their babies. I read this amazing article recently. I can't remember if it was in the New Yorker or the Guardian, but um, you talk about how it's like returning to sex after childbirth, right? So you go see your doctor after about six weeks and basically they do a quick inspection. And as long as you're healing okay and there's no tears or whatever, they're like, yeah, sure. You're like, good to go. Have sex with your partner, right? And the woman in the article was so great. She's like, here's what's not going to happen at your six week checkup. You're not going to like come into your GP's office, sit on a soft beanbag chair, get a cup of tea, talk about the state of your mental well-being. how you're doing, how your identity is shifting now that you're taking on parenthood and whether or not you're like feeling capable of like letting another human being inside your body again right now, you know? And so unfortunately I think a lot of men have, um, and again, I still get stuck in a bit of a gender conversation about this, which I'm trying to break out of. Um, but, uh, I meet a lot of women who are like not ready to go back to sex and feeling very guilty and like they owe their partners because their partners were really worried that sex was going to disappear after babies because that's what happens. And um, I work with people to just acknowledge that it can hurt. And I mean, mainly it's just like you've had a huge physical trauma to your vagina. Like you pushed a baby out of it. Yeah, holy cow. <laughs> um, so let's work with you and your partner together to like heal that trauma. But also so many women struggle with that like split identity of like my body as sexual object and my body as like feeding. Um, right. So you have these two jobs now and then you're also just trying to like be yourself. Yeah. So women who like used to really love their breasts um, feel uncomfortable about that now because they're like breastfeeding instruments or this one technique used to really turn you on and now it doesn't, right? So we get very fixated onto like how my body works, but your body's changing all the time. I mean, you can go through menopause, like, right? Your sexuality's changing all the time. So it's really about engendering a sense of creativity about like, how does my body work today? And like, what cool thing can I discover today, you know? Um, so I tend to work a lot with moms because there's really this connection between like, identity and sense of self and their shift in their sexual relationship with their partner and working through all of that soup to help them 
reconnect with their partners, refine their relationship after baby, as well as reconnect with themselves and find that like wife, mother, self identity. Yeah. Is really key to what I do. Damn. Yeah. Damn. That's pretty awesome. That's a fun. That's pretty awesome. It sounds like you're filling a gap that's uh, pretty needed. Uh, that people need support on. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's not, in my mind, I don't think it's being talked about at all. Well, and I think that it's a huge reason why people split or get very miserable after they have kids. Yeah. And, I mean, honestly, I'd say, like, as a result of my parents being divorced, like, if I can help people stay together <laughs> um, because they're able to manage those dimensions, like, that's awesome, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody deserves to be having an amazing sex life, whatever that looks like for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, to feel fulfilled in their sex life, to feel fulfilled in who they are, and to feel fulfilled in their relationship. And I'm reading this book right now. I run a little book club. Uh, up in the Yukon and um, it's called Wired for Love by Stan Tatkin and he talks about how like human relationships are really complicated things and yet we somehow have this idea that we have we can just like navigate them intuitively yeah um, without any help without any kind of instruction manual without any kind of mentorship and we're talking about very complex, like, brain interactions in us and our partner. We're talking about personality. We're talking about trauma. We're talking about fight, flight, or freeze reactions. Um, and when you have no guidance, like, we fuck it up all the time because it's actually a really hard thing to do. And yet we think that we can just completely do it on our own, you know? Um, so I'm trying to encourage people to shift that perception and realize that like it's okay to need help you probably didn't get any sex ed that was useful at all yeah. think of it like cooking like my yeah. one of my favorite sex coaches amy joe Godard, talks about how like when you left home you know you had to like get a cookbook and you might have to practice the same recipe like three or four times before you really get good at it yeah and then you develop a little repertoire but then the repertoire can get boring and you need to like try some new cuisine (laughs) (laughs) but like nobody expects to just be born a good cook so why do we expect to be like born good at sex um so dumb. <laughs> Ask for help, people. Ask for help. Ask for help. Ask for help. You know? Yep. Well, I'm blown away by you, now, as usual. Thanks, um, man. Yeah, you're a total boss when it comes to knowing your shit and c- continuing to want to learn more and mm. teach yourself more. And it sounds like it's required so much uh, self-analysis and looking at yourself, which I really applaud you for because that's not easy. No. <laughs> and I don't know if everybody would be brave enough to do it, but you, you know, like, I think, I think it's like bravo and also it sounds like you're helping other people too. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How can we find you? The yeah. Yeah. So my website is thehappyvaginaproject.com. You can also find me on Facebook at the Happy Vagina Project. I do coaching long distance, so I do Skype sessions. I work with couples and with men and women, uh, or rather, I work with women and men. Mm-hmm. Um, men have so much to learn around being multi-orgasmic, about learning their own bodies and dealing with their own 
sexual shame because there's tons of that for them. Uh, and also just giving them new tools to like please their women, you know, um, learning how to put pleasure first in the whole relationship. Um, so there's lots there for guys to learn and I'm keen to work with more of them. Um, and yeah, I'm going to be, I encourage people to sign up for the newsletter. I'm just kind of getting started. So I'm going to be starting to put out some freebies, online course offerings, all kinds of things <laughs> coming. Um, so yeah, come find me there. I love hearing from people. So even if you're just like, ah, write me, um, we can jam anytime. You've been doing it since, you know, since you were having fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for having me, love. Hey, second before bed. Thanks so much.